0: Boom, boom, Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the TPS Podcast. That's the Philosopher's Stone Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Strauss and Sam Laboon. How you doing, Sam Laboon? What up, man?
1: (laughs) I am uh, doing pretty well. I'm actually sitting on a toilet right now.
0: What? Really? Yeah. Man, I've never thought of combining our podcast time with
1: our dump time. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not like that. <laughs> really
0: streamlining your day today, huh?
1: Well, I mean, why not accompany the verbal diarrhea with some actual diarrhea? Ah, uh, no, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Our producer Matt is going to love editing out that shit. <laughs> Just as he, uh, as he requested, I am drinking a cup of drink with a lot of ice cubes that he has to edit out too. So. <laughs> You know, for a, for a man, we don't pay any money. He does a lot of work to make this possible. So, shout out to Matthew Push.
1: Yeah, where would we be without him?
0: We would still be trying to line up our two audio files and uh, have zero listeners instead of forty listeners. So, yeah, thanks a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Matt.
0: What's the latest in the life of Sam? You made the big move to T dot, obviously. How are you settling in?
1: We're we're good. Uh, went to IKEA today. Bought a bunch of bought a bunch of stuff. Um, and then some people are over right now, so i'm I'm holed up in the bathroom recording this gorilla style ah <laughs> nice a nice echo for uh
0: for Matt too to deal with. I'm sure that's gonna cause some sort of issue that we don't notice. There's an echo um uh, actually doesn't sound too bad. You know they say bathrooms have the best acoustics, so maybe you're up in our game a little bit, maybe you're up in our production quality, really, but if you want to let out a big fart, that would be a. I, Comedic timing is important, of course, but if you got the right time and the right fart, it can be a beautiful thing.
1: maybe I'll flush the toilet at
0: the end or something, <laughs> yeah, and there goes our entire thought process down the drain
1: <laughs> exactly yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy in uh, Toronto right now there's all these forest fires in northwestern Ontario, so the city is just full of smoke,
0: really. do they typically yeah. get fire like fire a fire
1: season like we do? Uh, I don't think it's as bad, but um Apparently they do, yeah. Apparently it's not uncommon. Yeah.
0: Apparently the whole world is getting affected by the entire global warming. Global (laughs) warming. It's not just West Coast warming, it's global, okay? (laughs) Uh, I drove through some thick smoke today for about an hour and a half. Um, See, the smoke, some people might not know this, but it settles in valleys, so when you drive into a valley, it gets thick, 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 but when you come out of the valley, it's like, it is like coming out of fog and suddenly it's just crystal clear air. It's amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's pretty, it's really bad for your lungs. So if you want to escape the smoke, you got to get up, you got to go up. Yeah. get, get on one of those ships with Elon and fucking Jeff Bezos. I'm getting ads for winning, um, tickets to go to space on like my Facebook and stuff. Like you enter a contest and you get to go up to space with, uh, the Virgin airline guy or someone, <laughs> <laughs> one of the three billionaires that gives a fuck about space. Uh, which was crazy because i once had a very 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 vivid dream about winning tickets to, to stay on the first ever satellite hotel and it was very exciting in the dream really yes and we i remember the dream riding the spaceship up and the the satellite hotel was state of the art it looked like kind of like fancy old school on the inside but like all the rooms had all the highest level security with like that you could have like your own view of the cosmos. But in the dream, the security system was so advanced that it was, it would only let in like the person that actually booked the room in that like scanned your genetic code or some shit. Whoa. So you could only get into the room if you were actually the person who like either paid for the room or one in my case, in the dream, I won the stay, but plot twist, my dreams come with their own plot twists. (laughs) Somehow, they flew up too many people than there were rooms. So there was groups of people that had to sleep outside of the rooms. That's how advanced the technology was. You literally could not get in a room if it wasn't your room. I don't know if that's advanced or totally broken. but uh, <laughs> So in the dream, they would have a yet another lottery every night to pick the guests that had to sleep in the common areas and the guests that got to sleep in the room. Oh, my God. So there would be over an intercom, there would be a lottery. And for whatever reason, the power, the lighting systems would shut down every night at the same time. It was all automated, so you couldn't Mm -hmm. override it. This is a brutally flawed system, but in the dream, (laughs) it was what was happening. And then, extra, extra plot twist, (laughs) in my dream, there was started being people getting murdered that were left out in the common area.
1: So, Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you told me about this. So
0: in the dream there was every night when the lottery was taking place it became like this big pandemonium panic moment cuz no one wanted to be left out in the common area cuz people were getting murdered and they still still at this point couldn't fix the system it's a fucking dream right and then the dream ended was i got called to stay out into the common area that night and the lights all shut down and every i could just hear the and feel like all the people around me kind of panicking and I heard a voice and a hand on my shoulder and they said, "Here, I know where we can be safe for the night." And I followed this person into the kitchen area. Great idea. And he we both hid in the, into the pantry and uh it was like really dark, couldn't really see anything, and then all I
1: remember was the feeling of him slipping a knife in my back and I woke up. <laughs> uh wow, great. Okay, yeah, two things. Number one, imagine overbooking a space station like I know. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Seriously. Clerical error. Yeah. And then uh, number two, the the classic mistake of taking a stranger at their word.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't know what I was, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been a dream, but you don't actually uh, logically think things through very often.
1: <laughs> no. I mean, I had a dream last night where I think I killed a shark or something. That was pretty cool. Crazy.
0: I had a dream recently where I got a bunch of hot peppers tattooed all over my body. Like <laughs> jalapenos and habaneros. <laughs> and I'm not even like that bit I don't even like peppers that much. But I, I, I
1: remember still being pretty stoked on the tattoos, which was weird. Did you like to tell people that you were like spicy or something or that you were hot and then you would point to the peppers or like what was it? I don't think I
0: was, the dream was long <laughs> enough for me to come up with a cat a cool catchphrase like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But uh, when I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw when you can now win tickets to go to space, that whole dream came back to me. And I'm like, holy shit, maybe this is, maybe I have some, like, premo power. Primo, premonish. You're a precog. Some premonishes. I'm a precog. I can tell when someone's going to kill someone. Yeah. So i have to stop this somehow. Still seems like it's probably at least 50 years off in the future. But if somehow I can
1: warn. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised, like, a space hotel hasn't happened already. Like... It's actually a pretty
0: cool idea. Well, it would have happened if we weren't all squabbling down here. Mm. If we all could unify and realize that space tourism is the next step, I guess. Mm. Um, Just referring to Elon Musk and what's the Virgin guy again? Richard Branson. Richard Branson. Yeah. Yeah, they know. They know what's up. If I could go up and be, be and truly be weightless, like not like a simulated weightlessness <laughs> like they do in those planes, I want to know what it's like to be in fucking space before I die.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's like that's the whole question: is can the human race pull itself together enough to actually get like off planet and you know terraform or settle other planets? Because it takes thousands of years to to do anything in space. It takes so long to get anywhere. Yeah, I I just.
0: The thing I know about humans is that even like unless things are directly fucking up your personal life, you really it's really hard for people to actually give a real shit about things. Yeah. That's why no one's going to really want to do anything about global warming until there's fucking, you know, there's water around their ankles.
1: Yeah, so that's why the government needs to uh needs to turn up the heat a little bit on people, you know, like conscription. Like, you're going off-world whether you like it or not. Get in the cryo chamber. (laughs) Get in the cryo chamber, bitch. You're going night-night, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) We'll wake you up in a thousand years.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, would you do that? If things were bad enough on planet Earth, would you rather die here in the climate catastrophe, the impending doom, with your brothers and sisters? Take one last look on the the land you love. (laughs) Die here with it. I'm going to die with the planet.
1: Or yeah, die with Earth or go to space and be on a ship.
0: Or be put in a crowd chamber and sent in out in like some sort of arc <laughs> type scenario and not even know where you're gonna end up, but just all you know is you're gonna wake up in a thousand years. You could be near a planet, you could be fucking in a black hole, you could die
1: during that thousand years. Yeah, man, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. I don't know, I might might take my gamble in, in space, see how that goes. Yeah wake up in a sh- in a ship full of cannibals. <laughs> like that movie uh Pandorum. That was, that was a great movie. Pandorum. Yeah, they're on they're on the spaceship, right? Like sort of like this arc type of spaceship. And they wake up and they realize that uh I forget like who the actors are, but they they wake up from their cryosleep and the ship is like they don't know where it is. It's like they think it's in space and like adrift or something, but they realize that other people on the ship were woken up like maybe like a hundred years ago or something. And they've become like this weird, like cannibalistic society.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did I did see that. And like, yeah, there are like these like rabid animal animal type creatures now.
1: Yeah, like like they, they woke up from their sleep too early and the ship was like just adrift like in space. Yeah. And they uh they just went went berserk and turned into these weird, like ghoulish cannibal creatures. Yeah, I actually watched
0: that within the last like two years, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. There was also one of my favorite, um, have you seen any of the Netflix series called Love Death Robots? Mm, no, I don't think so. Love Death Robots. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. I haven't watched it. Okay. It's a series of short animation films, like 10 minutes. Some of them are shorter. Some of them are a little longer. And they're all from different studios, and they, but they're conglomerated in this like volume anthology called Love, Death, Robots. Yeah, and um, some of them are amazing, some of them are like whatever. But they're... I almost, I almost don't want to spoil it. But there is an episode or a little a short about this thing where these I forget the exact circumstances, but people go through a warp hole. Uh, to get away from, I think, a dying planet or somehow to save humanity. They go through a warp hole and they end up like thousands of light years away. And um, uh, you know what? Just watch the... I don't even know what the episode's called. <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome. I really want to spoil it.
0: You know what? I'm just spoiling it. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, so they get sent out and then they arrive and they see the main character sees more sp- spaceships from like their human fleet. And he like goes aboard one and he sees his old girlfriend on there, who was also commander of a different fleet, and he like reconnects with her. He's like, Holy shit, I can't believe you're out here. And she's like, Yeah, like we took the wormhole too. And like they like hook up and you know, we can be happy together. And then like he slowly starts realizing that like none of what he's experiencing feels real anymore. Like she doesn't seem quite real, and none of the spaceship around him feels quite real. And he realizes that he's still in his like cryo sleep and something, something's been injecting like hallucinations into his mind. Oh my God. And finally the, the entity wakes him up and is like, you true, you actually want to see what this is? Cause he like catches on that. that this isn't his girlfriend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it like wakes him up and he's in the crowd chamber and he's like got long hair and a beard. He's all craggly and like old looking, like he's been there for a long time. And the thing that was like posing as his girlfriend is this huge alien with like a thousand eyes. It looks like a huge insect and it's a benevolent alien race that has been collecting everything that comes through the wormhole and giving them virtual like lives to like keep their hope alive. I don't know. It was weird. It was very disturbing, very disturbing because wow. he's like the realization that this is not who he thinks it is. And none of this is actually happening. And yeah, it's just these aliens collecting everyone that comes through the wormhole and like putting them into their own personal matrix. Oh my God. So that they can like handle the fact that they didn't end up anywhere that they could actually survive with the wormhole. And I might have mistold that. I actually haven't seen that episode in a long time. I just remember it making me feel absolutely horrified. Jesus. Yeah. Yikes.
1: Well, um, hey, at least they're like good hallucinations. Like at least they weren't like torturing them with nightmares. That would have been pretty bad. Good hallucinations. I'll take those. Take those over reality.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he definitely was having a better time before they re- revealed where he was. So yeah. Anyways, I don't even know why that started. Oh yeah, the the conundrum I give you: die with the planet or live in the
1: cryo sleep until you wake up somewhere else. Hmm. Well. Both prospects sound uh, interesting, so I guess what you'd have to do to make a decision would be to uh, come up with some sort of argument to choose between one or the other. That's probably what you'd have to do. Ah,
0: I smell a segue into the lesson. (laughs) So what are we talking about? Arguments?
1: Yeah, like we honestly, yeah, arguments. Argumentation. Um, This really should have been episode one, Um, but for some reason it's (laughs) (laughs) the basics, really. Right. This should have been episode one, but it's it's taken a while. But uh, yeah, we're talking about arguments today.
0: Well, our earlier on episodes were focused more on specific philosophers, yeah,
1: not concepts in general. Yeah, but we we will get back to like looking at specific philosophers. But I, I thought we should uh, we should pause a little bit and like cover some cover some of the basics of philosophy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, amazingly, this is really what got me into philosophy was arguments. That's what I thought was the coolest thing about philosophy was, uh, which we'll talk about a bit more later. But it's a, a deductive argument form. I can outwit anyone. Um, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It's was not that. I wasn't like the power. The power. <laughs> the power is intoxicating. <laughs> Black belt in <and> arguing. <laughs> no, it was. Um, it's the, like the the power of the deductive argument form called modus ponens. Right. But we'll we'll get to that. But arguments are powerful. They don't require any faith. Um, they're a technique of using premises to justify a conclusion. And this has spread from philosophy to pretty much every field of thinking of academia, law, science, politics. Basically, wherever, whenever you're trying to justify your claims without resorting to violence, you should use an argument. Mm-hmm. It's the most rational way to, to prove a point. First, violence, but if that fails, then an argument. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so basically what we're going to do is we're going to look at sort of four main types of philosophical argument. There's a whole lot more kinds of argument, and there's a whole lot more we can say about it, but just for this episode, we're going to be talking about deductive, inductive, abductive, and analogic arguments. Okay.
0: Yeah. I know what two of those words mean.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) I actually did take an intro to philosophy course at one point.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
0: So this might actually click, uh, this this might actually like awaken some of my old genius, really. I think I failed it, but (laughs) it was just too easy for me. You know, like when kids aren't being challenged enough at school, Mm. they tend to, to, to tank their classes. Oh, yeah. That's what happened to me. Yeah.
1: You just don't take it seriously, yeah.
0: Uh, I just, I just, it's not challenging enough for me. That's what I said to the dean. And he said, well, we can enroll you in into uh, philosophy 201 or whatever the next step is. And I said, <laughs> nope, I've decided philosophy is too easy for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay, well, we'll see how you do. We'll, we'll post, I'll post some arguments to you and you can uh, tell me whether or not they're valid or invalid and that sort of thing. Oh,
0: that's like my favorite <laughs> thing to do. Like we could just do that all day.
1: Yeah. All right. So, um, so the first type of argument is called a deductive argument. So, most people, I think most people, when they hear the word deduction, they think of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. That's what I was, I was thinking of the exact thing. Yeah. Deduce. Deduce. Yeah. Cause he used to say like he solved his cases through deduction. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like a great quote from Sherlock Holmes is he would say the quote is, uh, it is an old maxim of mine that when you have excluded the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. So, uh, that's not a philosophical deduction. Okay. It's an interesting claim.
0: It doesn't seem like the best idea, but...
1: I mean, it seems like it would take a while to like rule out everything that's impossible. Like- Every possibility <laughs>
0: is like, yeah, that would take... No, it, it's the long way around.
1: It's the long way around, yeah. Um. It, I mean, it might be. I think it would be worth thinking about whether that's actually a true statement. Whether it is true that once you've ruled out everything impossible, whatever remaining is the truth, like that might be like worth like a philosophy paper or something. But it is not what philosophers mean by deduction. Okay. Yeah, what Sherlock Holmes does is more like induction or abduction, actually. But anyway, we'll we'll get to that later. So, a deductive argument is an argument where the truth of the premises necessitates the truth of the conclusion. So in other words, if the premises are true, the conclusion must be true. The premises are true, the conclusion has to be true. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you can think about it like in possible worlds, right? So in all possible worlds where the premises are true, the conclusion is true. That's a deductively valid argument. Right. Yeah, so the, the classic deductive, and this was basically invented by Aristotle. Aristotle
0: was the actual man and Plato was the mysterious man that may or may not have existed,
1: right? No, no. Plato Plato definitely existed. Aristotle was Plato's student, and Plato was supposedly the student of this guy Socrates. But no one is actually sure.
0: Ah, that's who it was. Yeah. So those three are like, man, those are like the top there's some OGs. Everybody knows those names, right?
1: Oh yeah. They are the OGs. Basically, it's pretty hard to find. An idea in philosophy that wasn't hinted at or developed by Socrates, Plato, or Aristotle. God damn. Big brain boys over there. Big big brains in
0: in Greece. Eating grapes off the vine and talking shit till they figure it out. Oh yeah. What a life, hey. Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) Don't forget the slavery. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's all thanks to slavery. Yeah. (laughs) Ah boy. Mm -hmm. So the classic example of a deductive argument goes like this. So the first premise is all men are mortal. The second premise is Socrates is a man. The conclusion is Socrates is mortal.
0: Well, if I ignore the fact that you assumed his gender, (laughs) then it would be true, yeah? Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, so this argument is a, uh, this is known as a valid deductive argument. The conclusion doesn't go beyond, doesn't contain any terms that are not in the two premises. Right. And when you look at it, you can also tell that if these two premises are true, all men are mortal, and Socrates is man, the conclusion, Socrates is mortal, must be true. If those two premises are true, the conclusion must be true. It cannot be a false conclusion.
0: Makes sense to me, man.
1: Yeah. And you can, uh, basically, this is called a syllogism. Okay. So, it's it's got like a form, right? So, the form of a syllogism is like all A's are B's. C is an A. Therefore, so C is B. That's it
0: exactly. That's what I remember from class day 1, philosophy 101. We're getting
1: down to the basics, hey? This is the basics. Yeah, but this is like the most this is the most important stuff.
0: This is where I realized. this is where I learned that the three dots can mean therefore.
1: Yeah, a little two dots on the bottom, one dot on the top means therefore, yeah.
0: Yeah, and now I use it all the time, and people are like, what is this? Is this the Predator's laser-seeking gun? And I say, no, you (laughs) idiot. It
1: means therefore. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, I never even thought of that, but yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, the Predator, he shines that laser on people. He's like saying, therefore, yeah. You're dead. Therefore you're done, <laughs> yeah. son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Can't hear it through his mask, but he's actually every time he shoots someone to death, he's quoting uh quoting Socrates, Plato, or Aristotle. Big philosophy fans those predators. Oh yeah.
1: All men are mortal. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's a dope line for a predator to say. <laughs> All men are mortal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like that line in Game of Thrones, right? All, all men must serve. Oh, how does it go? All men must die. All men must serve, or is it all men must serve? All men must die. I forget Valar Morghulis.
0: All I know is we do not sow. We do not sow.
1: Yeah, the the, the Ironborn.
0: That's pretty badass too. Yeah, like yeah, we're not growing
1: shit because we're taking yours. Yeah, they had some great mottos. Those houses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here here is another um right. So the syllogism, remember, is a valid argument form. So here's another syllogism. So you can tell me whether or not this is a valid argument. Okay. So the first premise, all Canadians drink one liter of maple syrup every day. The second premise, Jim Carrey is a Canadian. The conclusion, therefore, Jim Carrey drinks one liter of maple syrup every day. So is that a valid argument? Only if the first statement is actually true, right? Um,
0: I mean, the argument structure seems valid.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: But it's just, it's not true that all Canadians drink a liter of maple syrup every day. But if we're not like addressing that, then the argument seems to be like valid.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the key to the valid argument is an argument is valid if the premises are true, the conclusion must be true. So in this case, the premises are obviously false. Right. But if these premises were true, the conclusion would have to be true, so that means it's a valid argument.
0: yes, yeah, so that is valid, yeah, okay yeah. is it valid or sound? Do you say sound or valid are those different things?
1: right. so a sound argument or sorry this is this is a deductively valid argument. A sound argument is a deductively valid argument with true premises
0: okay, so that the, that's 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 it's only sound if the premises are actually true. correct. yeah okay. So that one was valid but not sound.
1: Precisely.
0: Yeah. Precisely. Oh fuck, dude! It's all coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okanagan College,
1: dude. Hell yeah, grade school.
0: Very prestigious. Very
1: prestigious. I got a, a TEFL certificate from there, so yeah, it's pretty good.
0: You know what I got from there? What's that? Fuck all, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Debt. <laughs> Spent a year <laughs> my a year and a half of my life there. You know what I got from there? The notion that I should go into the (laughs)
1: trades. Hey, they have a great trade school there, too.
0: It actually, yeah. I mean, if you consider the trades portion, I actually did get a red seal from Okanagan College. So I guess that's, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And then I abandoned it. I got it, and now I don't use it. So (laughs) there you go. Massive waste of fucking time. (laughs) So I'm all about not, I don't really seek out what I want to do in life. I just find a bunch of things that I don't want to do and cross them off the list. You know? Hey. I'm like Sherlock Holmes that way. <laughs> I find all the things I know are impossible <laughs> to make me happy. <laughs> Whatever's left must be what I want to do, right?
1: However improbable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> the only way I'm gonna find my true calling is by fucking trying every single thing out there and uh knocking it off the list when I realize, nah. Hey,
1: there you go. Um, yeah, so those are uh syllogisms and then as I mentioned earlier, there's another, there's like a bunch of different deductively valid argument forms, but my favorite is a argument form called modus ponens, mm. which I think is is Latin for like putting something in its place or something like that.
0: We put them in the place. <laughs> Infamous up in this. We know how to get down. Modus potus in your town. Right? Is, it, is that MC Nero or something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was Saki, please. Saki, please. (laughs)
1: Little, little Plato. Little (laughs) Plato. So modus ponens, basically, the argument form is, and this was like a epiphany for me when the professor put this on the board. Like this, literally, blew my mind, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm studying philosophy, but yeah. um, The argument form goes like this: if p, then q. p, conclusion, therefore q. Pretty, it's pretty simple, right? Okay, that didn't blow my
0: mind the way I hoped it would. But
1: <laughs> okay, so basically, like,
0: you really fucking talk that one up, Sam.
1: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I don't know why it hit me so hard, but um, basically, you can put you can put stuff in there, right? So um, uh, like um, like consider, like for example, um, if England wins the World Cup, there will be a riot in London. First premise. Mm-hmm. Second premise. England won the World Cup. What's the conclusion? There's a riot. In London.
0: Yeah. In London, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's that's the argument form. If though if those two premises are true, the conclusion must be true. But it's very hard to uh establish the first premise, the if P, then Q. That's uh called the conditional premise. Okay. I just thought it was so cool because like you can't uh It's deductively valid. You can't argue with it. If those two premises are true, that conclusion will be true. If P, then Q, P, therefore Q. It's just, that's just the way it is.
0: But again, in that example, that's not true, right? Because. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that you can. So is that another thing that's just not sound, but it is valid?
1: Yeah. Like it's, uh, it makes more sense when you do it with like things that are in categories. Like, you can rephrase the syllogism, all men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. Like, you can rephrase that in terms of modus ponens. You can say, if someone is a man, then they are mortal. Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal.
0: Yeah, okay, I get that. So the modus ponens is, it's always the if questions, right? Yeah.
1: The if statements, rather, rather. It's a conditional, yeah. Right, okay. I think what I liked about it was it has this sort of mathematical beauty to it, like this sort of perfection, right? Where it's like, it's like one plus one equals two, but it's with words and logic. So it's, I found it very interesting. But of course, a lot of philosophers think that deductive arguments aren't really actually that useful for like day to day life because, you know, how often do we actually know whether or not these premises are true?
0: Right. That's the big issue I'm th- seeing with this is that. It's hard to come up with any of these things that are actually, like, beyond a doubt. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, like you won't find this argument form a lot in, like, science or anything like that.
0: Like, if you have feet, you must have toes. <laughs> you have feet, therefore you have toes. And then you immediately get pictures of people that, you know, you know there's people out there that have feet but no toes.
1: My my Uncle Bob has feet but no yeah. toes. So uh... Yeah, you're fucking full of shit, bud. Yeah, my Uncle Bob, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so deductive argument is very beautiful, very complete, but not super useful for everyday life. That is exactly how I've been described. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, exactly. And they have, to, uh, they have to follow their format. Like you can't go, right? It has, like a syllogism, right? It has to be all A's or B's, C is an A, therefore C is a B. So you can't go like, Socrates is a man, all men are mortal, Therefore, I ought to get hammered on Friday. You can't do that. Right. It has to follow that form. I like where you're going, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so now we can move on to a much more common form of argument that people use a lot, which is induction. So, induction is very different from a deductive argument because with an inductive argument, even if the premises are true, it's still possible that the conclusion would be false. So, inductive arguments they are based on like statistical frequency. So you look at things, things have always happened in a certain way, therefore you can predict that they will always continue to happen in that way. Right. So classic example of an inductive argument would be, the sun has risen every morning for billions of years. First premise. Mm -hmm. Second premise, whenever the sun has risen, it has always risen in the east. Conclusion, the sun always rises in the east. Right.
0: Until someone, some asshole comes around like, actually, the sun isn't moving at all. It's us that's moving around the sun that makes it feel like it's rising. And then you kill that yeah, guy. Yeah. And Shut, up, <laughs> Shut up, Galileo. Shut up, Galileo. What is your name? Galileo? Come on, dude.
1: Yeah, so right away, you can see very different from the deductive argument. In the deductive argument, the conclusion doesn't go beyond anything that's already sort of contained in the premises. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, it makes, it makes like a leap beyond what's in the premises. Yeah. So these arguments, you can't call them valid because it's possible that the premises are true, but the conclusion could still be false. Right. So, yeah, like you, we, we think we're pretty sure that tomorrow the sun is going to rise in the east. But, you know, all sorts of different things might happen that might cause the sun not to rise in the east. Can you imagine? What do you think that would do to society? If
0: suddenly the sun started rising from the opposite direction. Would we would it be business as usual or would shit go crazy? I mean satellites might get fucked up. Oh my god. All of our solar panel farms are gonna be facing the wrong direction in the morning. <laughs> but other than that, like
1: my sundial is off <laughs> majorly. Well, I'm late for all my meetings. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Sundial's going in reverse. But like technically it shouldn't affect that much, right? I mean, I'm definitely not a scientist.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I think the idea would be that if the world stopped turning on its axis and then started turning the other way, something incredibly catastrophic would have had to have happened to cause that. Someone hit that rewind <laughs> button. Would time
0: go backwards then, man? No. <laughs> like in that Superman episode? So stupid. Oh, my God. So dumb. <laughs> Ugh. I hate that. If that was really all it took. Okay, here's another question for you. Sorry to... But did, tangent you right now but do you think it's within mankind's power to reverse the rotation of the planet
1: mm. i don't know maybe but like not without i have no idea honestly but i think it would cause like a cataclysm i have no idea would it though would it cause a cataclysm? Cataclysm? Cla- 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 can't even say it
0: well think about it right
1: like think about like the newton's law right objects in motion tend to stay in motion right so the earth is spinning Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly why it spins, but it doesn't slow down. It just keeps spinning. So to stop something, the mass of the earth from spinning, at the speed at which it's spinning, right? It's spinning really fast. We just don't feel it. Mm -hmm. Right? Imagine like a bowling ball is like really, really spinning really fast. You have to like put some force on it to stop it. Yeah. So the amount of force you'd have to put on the earth to stop it from spinning.
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: Would like probably cause everything to go extinct because we Be so much force,
0: but imagine they could do it slowly over thousands of years. (laughs) Right, this is a long-term project. This is a team. This is a group project. Okay, (laughs) and we slow it down nice and slow, and then we stop it completely from spinning. Uh So, do you think if if we took that force that we had, the brakes, whatever the brakes we put on it, and we took those brakes and we turned them off, would it immediately start? Spinning up again, or would it would it remain not spinning? This is more of a gravity thing, right? We we we're so out of our. I took us into deep water here, Sam. But I don't know if it would be obviously if the world stopped spinning suddenly, it would be horrible. But if it starts, if it slowly, slowly just got like the brakes, whatever brakes we invented, mm. you know, caliper brakes. <laughs> <laughs> a giant set of calipers just squeezing on the planet
1: if it was a flat earth we could use disc brakes oh yeah <laughs> those are nice
0: <laughs> I wonder if we I mean something I mean just I, I have to try I mean I have to believe that I have to assume that it would fuck up some serious shit
1: yeah I think it would it sounds like a good Kurzgesagt episode Act. the YouTube channel
0: yeah it would be. And you know what? They've probably already done it. So it's, I'm just going to fucking YouTube it after this and I'll come back with answers next episode.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. It would be nasty. It would be very nasty, I think. Um,
0: if we did it all at once, for sure. I'm wondering if there, if we, it, like I said, over the course of a thousand years, you slowed her down and slowly went back the other way. <laughs> I mean, we'd notice, obviously, but.
1: It might have something to do with magnetism. I don't know, but.
0: Because eventually the days and nights would start getting incredibly long, right? The slower you got spinning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. We can get back to that next episode maybe.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's get back on. Let's get back on track. Okay. Why are you always taking us out here?
1: Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so induction is interesting because it's actually one of the things that David Hume, our old friend, most most infamous for was his sort of takedown of induction as like a form of rational reasoning. God, he's such a dick. This guy is a real dick, but he pointed out like nobody wants to hear it, but he points out these little, these little problems. No one wants to hear (laughs) it. starts
0: poking holes in it. He's like, Hey, listen, (laughs)
1: um, if you think about this, it actually doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And like, I haven't looked too deeply into this, but, um, it's it's still like kind of an issue for induction, even though we can't sort of get away from it. But this is basically the problem. So Hume wants to know how do you know an inductive argument is correct? Right? Like our, our argument about the sun will always rise in the east, right? Yeah. Our argument is things have always happened this way. First premise. Nature is uniform. So these things will always continue to happen in the future. So Hume is noticing that like when we make these arguments, we're using this principle. And he calls it the uniformity principle. And this is this principle that the laws of nature are uniform. But we don't actually know, like, by uniform, like that they will continue to be how they always have been.
0: Right. Well, we know nowadays that planets die and are born and things of that nature happen all the time in the universe. So nothing is eternal and nothing is for certain.
1: Yeah. So Hume is like, okay, so if you're inductive arguments, are actually going to be, like, justifiable, then you need to have a deductive argument that establishes the validity of the uniformity principle. But you can never have a deductive argument that establishes the uniformity principle. Because even if your premises are true, it's still possible that the course of nature could change.
0: Yeah. Anything to do with predicting the future can be problematic. You know? We could get sucked into a warp hole without knowing it.
1: Exactly. And not only can you not say that it's, not only can you not have a deductively valid argument to establish the uniformity principle, you also can't appeal to probability either because that is a a fallacy called begging the question, right? If you're saying it's probable that things are going to continue as they always have been, that is the uniformity principle, the probability of it. Right. So Hume is basically, he's basically showing that on the one hand, you need a deductively valid argument, but you can't have that. And then on the other hand, you would need a argument to establish probability, but you also can't have that. So you can't establish the uniformity principle with a rational argument. And so the whole idea of induction just doesn't have a rational basis.
0: I mean, I hate to say it, but I agree with him.
1: Yeah. But it's it's interesting that like despite like yeah he's kind of right he seems right at the same time we really like can't get away from it like it just seems so powerful to know that like look things have always happened in a certain way and they will always happen and so this is like uh, I may be wrong but I think this is sort of like uh, this idea that I think Kant sort of developed which is that our our minds sort of have a tendency to think in a certain way. And we really just can't get away from it. Right.
0: I mean, realistically, for functional purposes, you can say the sun rises every day without fail. Yeah. Like, for practical argument' sake, mm-hmm. there's not going to be a whole lot of people that would bet their money that the, money's, that the sun's not going to... The sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. This, That's what that movie was about. Exactly. That's the point I'm making. Is lots of people would would bet
1: their bottom dollar that it'll be up tomorrow. Oh yeah, and you'd win. Like if you're a gambling person, like induction is you know pretty safe. Yeah. Like that's how. Like I think sports gambling works is basically induction. Like if someone's won every single contest, then they're going to be the betting favorite, and you're probably going to win if you bet on them. It's just the way it is.
0: Yeah. But upsets do happen. Upsets do happen. I would rather trust a <laughs> celestial body than a group of human beings with my money. Very
1: <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet on the sun to win this one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is a 10 billion to one favorite to rise again in the east tomorrow. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're not making a ton of money. No. <laughs> but man, if it doesn't come up and you put any money down, you're. Whoa. Rich. <laughs> Dead. If you took rich the under- dead man that's
1: the <laughs> dream the dream is to die rich that's hilarious um okay so maybe the last one and then we can talk about some fallacies but the last kind of argument is uh called abduction and this is uh pretty actually this is maybe one of the most popular ones that people use and this is basically called inference to the best explanation okay so sort of like the classic example of this is uh like a, a god of the gaps argument, right? Like, so this is like the classic argument: a caveman, right, sees some guy in Greece or whatever sees a lightning bolt hit something, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, "Like, what could have caused that?" Hmm. Oh, well, it can't have been my neighbor because he doesn't. He can't make lightning, uh, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> as far as I know, Peter can't do that. Slight of hand magic <laughs> isn't that advanced yet. Yeah. So, hmm. So it must have been some sort of like powerful being that lives up there that can throw lightning bolts. Oh, it must have been a god.
0: Well, I mean, of course, we would have all thought the same thing when you have such little science or knowledge about how things work. Yeah. You see a fucking powerful lightning storm. You're not going to be thinking about, you know, electrons and potential. and (laughs) Yeah. The only thing that makes sense is a supernatural deity.
1: Yeah, like base. It's it's interesting because an abduction is inference to the best explanation, and oftentimes the best explanation that's available to you is actually not going to be a correct explanation, but it's the best explanation. It's not correct, yeah, but it is cooler, which sometimes is more important. <laughs> yeah, more important for making life interesting.
0: <laughs> you want to be right, or do you want to be cool? Brad? <laughs> think
1: about it. Yeah, so abduction is like, uh, and, and think, and it's like what people people have to do this all the time because so often in life you know you see something happen and then you want to figure out why it happened and so you come up with some sort of explanation to explain what you saw and we have to do this all the time because we're constantly having to explain things mhm like a classic example is is a court court case at the end of the court case the two lawyers give their closing argument and the closing argument is Comes after all the evidence has has been presented. So they say, like, look, you've seen all this evidence. The best explanation for all of this evidence is that the defendant, you know, killed the shopkeeper or whatever, right? And stole the donut or something. Yeah, <laughs>
0: fucking donut. It was honey glazed. Honey glazed.
1: He couldn't I resist
0: sprinkles. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> there were colors
1: of sprinkles I'd never seen before. <laughs> the jimmies, like they got me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's abduction. It's it's like a, uh, it's just again, it seems to be like a sort of natural way that people think is these sort of in- abductive arguments. Seems to be the least sound of the
0: three methods, though.
1: Yeah, it has a huge potential for error in abduction because you make you have to make this big inference at the end, right? And the inference is only as good as the information and the knowledge that you have. And as we talked about earlier, we often we we don't know when we don't know enough to make a good conclusion. Right. So it's very dangerous. You don't know. Now you know. Now you know. <laughs> you
0: don't know. It's just a it's just a matter and I mean, that's what I think we talked about this before on the podcast, but it's weird to think about how in the dark people were back then when they're thinking they're attributing lightning to gods.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I'm not blaming them. <laughs> back then I would have thought the same thing. But now we think of them as being so in the dark and ignorant about how things work and i wonder to what degree we are similarly in the dark right now you know what i mean
1: mm. well i mean <laughs> it's so like arrogant it's so uh, i guess maybe um maybe arrogance or, or hubris or whatever but yeah i think we're we're a lot better off than we used to be but i think we should be wise enough to know that we're still like what did isaac newton say right like this guy is so smart and he said that he felt like he was just like a a little kid skipping rocks on the edge of a ocean of unknown knowledge. Mm-hmm.
0: It is one of these things where I find this with any sort of like creative endeavor or art form, especially with like when it comes to, um, well, I, I would say drumming or an instrument, or but you'll hear people that do any sort of not even have to be creative, but anything that has any sort of depth to it, that the better you get, the more you realize you don't know. Mm. Yeah. Because you open doors and now you're seeing a whole new part of this thing that you were so in the dark about the whole art form before or the whole whatever. I'll just stick to drumming as an example. Like I thought I was a lot better at drumming when I was first starting than I think I am now because mm-hmm. I I'm now... I guess in the know enough to realize how much I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas when I start any basic victory, makes me feel like I've completed the everything there is to know about it. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely felt that with comedy when I started too. When I would start getting like a big head about a you know a good set or like any sort of new breakthrough that I had or an epiphany I had about it. Mm-hmm. And I'd start thinking I'm pretty goddamn good. And then I would see someone that was levels above me and you just, your whole ego gets shattered right then and there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I actually don't know shit about this.
1: Exactly. It's, it's so, and you don't, you don't, uh, you don't realize that until you've like spent lots of time learning about it.
0: Right. It, and the, the more you know, the less, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exactly. The
0: more you know, the less you know. Yeah. The more you 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 discover, the more you realize is still out there to be discovered. I guess is a better way of saying it. Maybe not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very very interesting. Yeah. So abduction. All right. So I think we have some time to talk about a couple of fallacies. All right. Let's do it. Uh, these are these these are fun. These are fun. Uh, so these they're like some classic fallacies. These are running rampant all through Facebook, by the way. Oh yeah. Um. So probably one of the most common fallacies is the appeal to authority. Right. So this is when um, you have a, a claim, and your justification for the claim is that an authority has made the claim. Right. So you don't justify your claim with any reasons. You justify your claim by saying, well, this authority has said so. Yes. Now, your opinion, Sam... Is this always a bad thing to do? Depends how you do it. Uh, so, for example, um, th- like this is, a, uh, this is a tricky one, right? So, uh, for example, you might like make an argument like uh, the first premise might be Dr. Botkin says that eating a peach every day is the best thing for your health. Therefore, eating a peach every day is the best thing for your health. Mm hmm. So that would be an example of a fallacy of an appeal to authority, because your your conclusion isn't really supported by any reasons. It's just supported by this, so-and-so said that I should do this. So-and-so is an authority, therefore I should do this. Yes. You can see it's not a valid argument.
0: But the re- in the real world, you ha- you're kind of forced to appeal to the, the authority because you're not going to go out and get your own medical degree, right? So- I'm just, this is just like a, this is like a, you know, you have to accept us to a certain amount that the experts are going to know better, right?
1: Yeah. So that's like, it's a little bit different when you say, um, when you're talking about like, like doing something that an expert has said, you might say like experts, like the first premise might be experts in the field say that eating a peach every day is excellent for your health. Therefore I will eat a peach every day. So there you're like, the argument is a little different because you're not just saying like, I'm just going to do this because this person said I should do this. What you're saying, you're sort of implying that there are lots of good reasons to do this, that these experts have found. Right. I don't have time to go into all those reasons, but I trust those experts. I guess the difference is kind of, you're not arguing that the peach thing is true. You're only
0: arguing that the experts say it's true.
1: Yeah, you're basically what you're doing is you're saying that you're, uh, you're, the justification for your claim isn't that so-and-so said to do such-and-such. Such. Your justification for your claim is that so-and-so has many good reasons to say I should do such-and-such. Such. Okay, So you're sort of like, you're sort of abbreviating all of the reasons for the claim. Right. So it's a, it's a little different.
0: Okay, well, appeal to authority, that's a good one. My favorite one and I remember this from philosophy and this is one is like the one that you know everyone tends to do and that is ad hominem. Explain us that one because that one is the funniest
1: one. Okay, yeah, so ad hominem would be um this is like a, a classic one in politics basically. This is the Right. Oh, this is the bread and butter for politicians. This, this is this was their bread Trump's go to, man. This is their bread and butter, right? So someone say someone will say to Trump like Mr. Trump, um, you've been uh, like you've been like corrupt in this way. Your business is shady, blah 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 blah. And then Trump's response will be, well, to like, so suppose Hillary Clinton said that to him, his, like Hillary Clinton right accused him of um, like uh, like sexual assault, basically, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so his retort is, well, Bill Clinton has committed sexual assaults. So that that's it. I'll, I'll, instead of like uh instead of defending. Yeah, instead of like actually yeah. arguing anything, um they just point to some sort of flaw in the other person that it actually has nothing to do with the the claim that they're that they're making.
0: Right. But is it always a uh unimportant thing? Like cuz in that scenario, Hillary Clinton is um putting on the she's implying that she cares about the sexual assaults or alleged sexual assaults of Trump. So she's implying that that's something she doesn't stand for. And then Trump says, well your husband has been proven or accused of the same thing. So there is sort of a reason, like there is it's something to take into consideration although it's not a great argument per se. It's
1: like a hip showing a hypocrisy or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So maybe like another example would be um Like, uh, suppose there's two lawyers in court, one has has finished arguments and the other lawyer stands up and says, well, ladies and gentlemen, my client is not guilty. The other lawyer is a scoundrel and a gambler and a drunk. Right. So instead of actually attacking the other lawyer's arguments, he's just pointed to negative qualities of the person. So it actually has nothing to do with the argument. It's just a, a personal attack.
0: Logically, it's not a uh, important to the argument, but it is something that people will take into consideration whether they like to or not.
1: Exactly, yeah. That, that's the problem with fallacies is they uh, they sort of distract the mind from like what's important and cause you to uh, ignore logic for a bit. Okay, so the final one maybe that we have time for here is uh, called begging the question. So begging the question is a tricky one, but basically an argument begs the question when one of the premises and the conclusion are actually the exact same proposition, just like phrased differently. Okay. Do you have an example? Yeah. So, um, for example, God is real because I have experienced God's love. Yeah. I've heard that before. So the conclusion is God is real in the sentence right so this is a, this is tricky right cuz they're all they they have this deceptive sort of structure to them but so the the argument again is god is real because i have experienced god's love so the premise is first premise i have experienced god's love conclusion god is real so the the conclusion and the premise both have like an implicit premise in them that god is real and that is something that a lot of lot of christians or religious
0: people will do and not realize that that's a problem where they're pointing to the question as the, uh, answer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. When they use the Bible to prove the Bible.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, let's think of another one. Um, okay. So the reason everybody loves pizza is because pizza is the most loved food in the world. (laughs)
0: It's funny because I know people like that. They they love things because other people love them, and no <laughs> reasons of their own. That's like all fashion.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like that's in a way that could that's like a sort of a deceptive one because there is this theory that people want what other people want. Yeah. It's called my So in a way, that's like if you're talking about it like that, it, it might it might be more interesting. But basically, the first premise: everybody loves. The conclusion is everybody loves pizza. The first premise is pizza is the most low food in the world. They just they don't they don't they don't do anything. Like they're both claims might be true, mm-hmm. but they don't like they don't mean anything. It's not uh you can't one doesn't prove the other. Right. They're essentially saying the same thing twice. They're saying the same thing twice, exactly.
0: Okay. Well that... Uh, I know there's more fallacies out there, and I think we should cover them eventually, but we're going a little late here. Uh, why don't we chuck out a, uh, a... um, You guys, email. Anyone listening? Concerns, comments, questions, and I'm going to tag on encouragements there <laughs> for us. Why don't you just put some fucking coal in this engine and keep us chugging along, eh? Um, anytime we... Someone even mentions they are listeners. It it really motivates us to keep on going. But at the end of the day, I get to talk to Sam for an hour, and it's all good. But you can email us at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com, and I fucking hope you do because it just puts a little little squeeze of of, of zest into the, the episodes and uh, lets us know what people are listening. Anything else to add, Sam?
1: Um, yeah, just send, send maybe send, uh, send like an interesting question that you have or something like that. Yeah, we'll be happy to answer it. Questions
0: are best, but flattery and insults are also acceptable. <laughs> and that's the episode for this week. Thank you for listening.